0: It's time for security now. You remember the myth of Sisyphus, the fellow who rolled the boulder all the way up the hill at great effort, and then it just rolled all the way down, and he's had to start over again. It's a new form of hell. And Steve Gibson says we're in it, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, our explainer in chief has become dejected by the state of security in the world around us. What's wrong with the WeMo? And a lot more coming up next on Security Now. <laughs> You love
1: from people you trust.
0: This, this is, is tweet Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode four hundred forty three, recorded February eighteenth, twenty fourteen. Sisyphus Security Now is brought to you by. Scott Evest, technology enabled clothing to carry all your gadgets. Visit scottevestcom slash twit now through February 24th to save 40% off all 14 of their best sellers. That's scottevestcom slash twit. Use the offer code TWIT13 at checkout. And by Pro XPN. ProXPN is a virtual private network that allows you to use the Internet the way it should be, anonymously and without oversight. For 20% off your new account, go to proxpn.com slash twit and use the offer code SN20. It's time for Security Now, the show that protects you and your loved ones, your privacy online, your your dater online. Here he is, the dater protector, explainer-in-chief.
1: and now your homes, Leo. We're going to start protecting people's
0: homes. Homes too, yes, because we're going to talk about the Internet of Things today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve Tiberius Gibson of Security Now fame and, of course, GRC.com, where his wonderful program right makes its home. Hi, Steve. Hey, Leo. Great to be with you again, as always. So
1: this is one of those days where I changed course and the name of the podcast even mid midway through um some people may see that the word sisyphus is in front of them or that that was what the podcast was named somewhat curiously it was going to be called quick q u i c um that is the name of some really good work that google is doing i mean i you know i kind of grumble like that when i now export my google uh my my security now notes all the links are actually links through Google. So they're monitoring anyone who clicks on links in the PDFs that I support because I authored it in Google Docs, which annoys me. You know, So there, there, there are things that it's like, oh, OK, but I tell you, the tech that Google is developing for making the web faster, getting pages in front of us. We've talked about Speedy, S-P-D-Y, was the the enhanced protocol over TCP that Google was working on. And it was, I was reminded of that because when I noted last week or the week before that Firefox had gone to version 27, one of the features in there was that they had added support for speedy version 3.1. Well, there's another effort, which I think is, it's a little more aggressive and it has some compatibility problems because it's, using udp rather than tcp and there's just there's just problems connecting with udp because for example the web doesn't need udp it uses tcp well what they've done is they've 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 taken all the work they've done before and said okay can we do this over udp and if so what would we get well we can't talk about that today because there is just too much bad news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thus, oh, I know that. Thus, I renamed the podcast for today's Sisyphus, you know, the from what the Greek mythology was, you know, the guy that was rolling the big boulder up the hill, and, and of course, it was a never-ending task, and it, when he stopped, it rolled back down, and he had to start again. Well, when I finally got through putting everything together for today— I was so depressed.
0: <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, say it ain't so. Not, de- not you.
1: It, it's like we're losing this battle, and and I have to say that if you, after we're done, if listeners sort of just sort of sit back and think about what they've heard, they're going to realize that this world, this future, where like there are actually all of these hackers fully engaged in poking holes and things is way more true than than I would have imagined a decade ago. No I just kidding, sort of thought, no, OK, no, we'll no, get boy. it's math, math. You know, we can write this stuff correctly and we're not going to have problems. But I but boy, I mean, it, it we're we're losing. We're falling behind. And one of the things that, that we'll see is that it's it's the commercial interests to the, the, the commercial interests rushing new features to market. I mean, wanting to like now we've got, you know, people's thermostats and like with um, Nest and and motion detectors and smoke detectors and doorbells and all this stuff is like, oh, let's go put it on the Internet. Won't that be fantastic you wherever you are using your your smartphone you'll be able to check in and it's like oh okay and and this has already been given a name now it's called the internet of things, and it is one it's one justification for i p v six because boy, you know if every if all the appliances that you have in your home are on your wi fi and then somehow sticking their tendrils out through your router onto the internet so that you out on the internet are able to access them then things get a lot more complicated and we see basically all of today's depressing news is is the consequence of this it is manufacturers offering features in an unfortunately insecure fashion uh. and in several in, in many cases clearly making an effort to do it right but but failing to do so and the only thing you can the only reason you can really understand this is that that really secure oriented people security oriented people weren't involved when they should have been it looks like this was security was added as an afterthought um And and again, often it's like, you know, now we're seeing, oh, military-grade encryption. Well, yes, but if you hand out the key inadvertently, then it doesn't matter. That's military-grade. And in fact, one of the mistakes that we'll talk about today, Belkin has made with their Wemo technology, their firmware upgrades are digitally signed and contain the key for signing. (laughs) (laughs) What? <laughs> which, which means you take any Wemo device, uh, you reverse engineer it, you obtain the key, and now you can send your own firmware to anyone's uh, Wemo device. Uh, oh, Leo, I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's really uh, bad. Okay, so this week on Security Now, we've got... A tiny tweak to Firefox. We got to talk about Kickstarter's data exfiltration that made the, the headlines and affected, you know, many of us who are Kickstartees, uh, and the predicted new wave in mega DDoS attacks. Bitcoin's protocol finally has a problem, uh, which is. Cause Mt. Gox all this problems. CryptoLocker is getting incredibly greedy. Google bought a little authentication trio of guys that everyone was asking me about because of of my work with Squirrel. And then we've got problems with Linksys, Asus, and Belkin. Uh, And then I want to briefly talk about uh, a couple sci-fi updates and the fact that Squirrel now, the Squirrel UI page, I've been talking for several weeks about how I've been working with the Squirrel UI, it's now that it's now public. You can see a lot of the user interface. And in fact, it's an interesting way to sort of understand Squirrel because this is the the what I'm designing is what users who know nothing about Squirrel, not our listeners, but you know, people's siblings and parents. You know, I mean it's really designed to be easy to use. As a consequence, anyone can understand it. So that's also public in fact it just bit it's bit.ly slash squirrel ui s-q-r-l-u-i if anyone's interested and for those people who are listening live the show notes for this podcast are already up on the server
0: did you um see that the google had bought a an authentication company that uses audio authentication yep that's who i was talking about the uh
1: it's just three guys three guys and a patent It looks like, well, and they've only been around for two months.
0: Slick Login is the name of it. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I think what happened is Google said, oh, you know, we've got an office in Israel and they're Israeli developers. They hired them for the people. Exactly. They're smart guys. They basically bought three smart people. And I'm not convinced that, you know, sending inaudible Crypto from your computer to your phone makes any sense? I mean, you know that I'm proposing doing it with a QR code, basically. Right. You know that, and but we don't know anything else. They also talk about somehow using geolocation and Wi-Fi yeah. and NFC. They, they they mix a whole bunch of stuff together, but then they say their secret sauce is that we, you know, we the, the your your computer whispers to your phone.
0: Uh, it's it's like, the secret okay. sauce gets me every time, right? Because well,
1: <laughs> and. And the concern is they say, and you need no web, you know, it'll zero, very low impact on your web server. Just five lines of code enables this on your site, which tells you that it is a third party. It's, it, right.
0: you know, it, JavaScript it, and it's calling a library somewhere else.
1: Well, no, no, it's calling them.
0: And so oh, it sends the sound to them, it has to right, yeah
1: yeah well or or they provide the sound oh, the sound's coming to,
0: from the website to you, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: well, well, but, but, but again, from them, from right. the company,
0: but not, but from we've the, already talked about this, there's no Google will never adopt a technology that is open and doesn't require Google and their participation and, right
1: and of course, again, that's my ultimate response. Is that squirrel is two party? Right. I designed it right. so it's just you and the site. Google's and, always going to
0: want to introduce themselves in the middle of it, yeah, or somebody like them. Yeah. Hey, we, so uh, you uh, are a Scotty Vest lover, yes?
1: I am. I I am authentically. In fact, <laughs> um, I. I uh, Where's the Glenn picture? Told, you
0: said there's a picture somewhere.
1: It, it, yeah, it, it's up on it's up on the Google Drive, uh, the, okay. our our shared folder on Google Drive. Uh, Glenn, uh, who I guess manages, uh, uh, advertisers, sponsors said, Hey Steve, we're going to get Scott Evest is going to be a sponsor on the podcast. And I said, no kidding. I, that's what I wear. Um, (laughs) I love their stuff. And in fact, I was telling you, I think it must've been when I was up visiting Leo for, for New Year's Eve, because I had my Scott Evest, uh, hoodie with me. It's what I wear. Um, and, and what's freaky is that I like the really lightweight one but it's this—they call it fleece material—and you put it on, and it's like you've got some sort of like heat shield or something. It's just incredible how it traps your own body heat. And so,
0: I—I I, love it. Yes, I mean, <laughs> it's you're, cozy. yes, yes, yes. I'm you're wearing. wearing I'm right wearing there. the new one, the Sterling jacket, which I really like. This is really yeah. nice. So we've, you know, I think anybody who's watched you and me and any of the other stuff, in fact, going back to the Screensavers days, we've always worn Scotty Vest stuff. Great to the air. Go to the airport because you've got so many pockets that, you know, this one has, believe it or not, this jacket, which is a nice jacket, looks pretty, completely normal, 24 pockets. <laughs> and it's that and nice fleece that you like. like. secret agent. Oh, agent yeah, too. all sorts of stuff in here. And it's fun because when you first get your Scotty Vest, as you mentioned, you, you go through the pockets because... He has to actually put in each pocket, uh, it, you know, or it doesn't have to, but he kindly puts in each pocket information about what you might want to use that pocket for. Like this one is it's a,
1: dis- it's a, it's a, a touch screen owner- pocket. It's a distributed owner's yeah. mat. Yeah. yeah. And you
0: might want to put it- a bottle of water because <laughs> it's got a little – this is hard because you can't see it. There's a little uh, elasticized strap in here that would hold the bottle of water. And then like yep. many Scotty Vest fleeces and jackets, this has got the keychain. Uh, and that's removable, removable. And, there, and there's a little card there that says "Remove this before washing." Right. So this is a neat material. This is. Uh, it looks like it is plastic, but it's uh, it pl- transmits capacitance, so uh, you can put in there. It's a touchscreen pocket, so you can put in there your your smartphone and still operate uh, it, or your you know your device and still operate yep. it. Um, that's what That's what this card uh, was for. It's the clear touch pocket. So we love Scotty Vest stuff. I mean, I you know I they make shirts, pants. They even make boxer shorts, and I am—I may not mention it on the air, but frequently wearing my Scotty vest. You're not Scotty going to have vest. 24 pockets in your boxer shorts. though. <laughs> no, I'm trying to it think. Might be it a little, has little. a couple. Has two <laughs> okay. little ones. Um, it's not designed. It's engineered. That's why they—they uh, they call it uh, uh, technology-enabled clothing uh, to carry and use gadgets easily, comfortably. As you mentioned, it's got—you uh, know—you've always got the. Uh, I think he calls islets. it the personal area network the pan that goes yep. through so you could put your eyelets uh, for your headphones and so forth um, that's patented by the way so only only Scotty vest has it uh, also good for battery packs I've used this uh for like with a GoPro you can have the battery pack routed down. If you have it I did this yesterday when we rode horses. You have the GoPro on your helmet, but then you write route the USB thing to your battery pack through here. Very handy. There's a pickpocket guarantee. They will reimburse you up to a thousand bucks if you're pickpocketed while you're wearing Scotty Vest. I wear it as whenever I travel, and I always keep my wallet in my Scotty vest because it's always safe. They're hidden pockets for for cash and gadgets. Many of the uh, many of them have pockets big enough to hold a whole laptop. Over ten million pockets sold. (laughs) You know the 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 lightweight hoodie that
1: I wear. It's got little magnetic snaps that 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 close the pockets. Right, which is kind of cool. It kind of goes snap when you're not. You can remove the sleeves and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Here's the new polos. I really uh, like these. I wear these a lot. Uh, This is the bamboo polo. They so called because of the uh, material which has bamboo. Uh, which makes it wick, but very comfortable. It's like I don't like wearing synthetics, and it's it's Yep, yeah, it's got like nice. a zipper
1: up here in your upper yeah. left breast, so yep, you can slip something right yep. in. The, yep, yep.
0: Well, they're having a sale to uh, celebrate their thirteenth anniversary. I, I wear um, these a lot. This is the um, uh, what do they call it? It's, pants. it's like a, it's like. Well, no, no, no. These aren't pants. This is this is oh. for uh, rain gear. It's like a like a shell that ah. you would put over. You could wear it as a windbreaker or a shell over, and that's really nice. For uh, celebrating their 13th anniversary, they're doing 40% off. So if you're watching this and you're interested in some of this, uh, then you might very well want to visit ScotteVest.com. 40% 40 off across the board? Well, 14 of their best-selling items, and it's just now through the 24th. So you want to hurry and go do this. Visit ScotteVest.com slash twit. The uh, checkout code... Is twit is twit13, twit13, and it's s-c-o-t-t-e-v-e-s-t dot com slash twit. Take a look at the website. Take a look at all the kind They have clothing for women, too. Uh, Lisa was wearing something this morning I really liked, really pretty. As many as this, the Quest Vest has 42 pockets. <laughs> I'm wearing the sterling jacket. Um, some great, uh, great stuff, and, and go w- visit the website because you can uh, hover over uh, the features and see everything uh, that's going on, including their their X ray feature, which shows you what it looks like if you could see through the jacket. But you only have till 9 p.m. Mountain Time, February 24th, 2014, to take like, advantage what's the of the sale. It- that's what the TSA. Sees That's what they, when they see, and they when go, when they "Wow, scan." See, what I do is I just take the vest off with all that stuff in it and put it in the on the conveyor belt. Nice, nice. never have had a problem ever. Nice. It's a great, you know. All of our photographer friends use Scotty vests, but it's more than vests. That's everything. A lifesaver if you use Google Glass or devices with limited battery life. You could put the battery in there. Um, it is really great stuff. But and by the way, if you're listening after February 24th, I would still use the code Scott is known to kind of put sneaky stuff in there every once in a while. scottevest.com slash twit, and you'll see all the 14 items that are on sale right now for 40% off if you use the offer code TWIT13 for their 13th anniversary sale. Uh, The trench is great. I have that. It's a trench coat. It looks like a classic trench coat.
1: Nice. Good
0: price. $120 when you take advantage of the offer. The puffer jacket, great if you're up in the snow. There's a Lola. The Margot cargo pants for the ladies. The women's Q-Zip, the cardigan. That's what Lisa was wearing, the, the, the Lucy cardigan. It's really great. ScottyVest.com slash twit. And do take advantage of the offer code TWIT13. Whatever they're made out of. I just love that. I know. That I'm not a fan stuff. of synthetics. And they, oh, look. There's Jason wearing his Scotty vest. He looks good on you, Jason. <laughs> He's got a bright red one. You can't miss him. Wow. ScottyVest.com slash twit. Offer code TWIT13. Come on in, so, here, Jason. I got you. Got to see. This looks good on you. He actually found one that fits you. Is it long enough, Jason's like is Jason? like eight feet hard, tall. Is, is, he hard
1: oh. <laughs> is he hard to fit?
0: is he hard to fit? But you look good in that. Well, thank you. You look like you should be, uh, you know, one of the police at the Sochi Olympics, or maybe a, a, a doorman at the White House. Look at that. <laughs> that looks good on you. Aren't they nice? Yeah. There you go hey there
1: we go <laughs> and, and i matched chad so you
0: know yeah your hair his hair your jacket <laughs> thank you jason i appreciate yeah. it uh we're all kind of fans i think it's one of those things where yeah, he gets true. an eight minute ad because we, <laughs> we can't stop talking about it let's move on shall we what uh let's start with the tech with the news the security
1: news well i do before i get into doom and gloom yeah i just did i wanted to thank john wood's um, he, uh, John Allen Woods is his Twitter handle. And I just, this came in at 1 PM on the 13th of February, uh, via the web. And he, he, I saw, I saw, he, I saw in my feed at SGGRC, he said, just used SpinWrite 6. Incredible. What a fantastic tool. Files are back. Exclamation. Well, that was fast. Yay. So it's like. That's <laughs> doesn't get any better than that. Ran spin right six files are back. Thank you very much. And John, I, I did. I already responded and, and thanked him for files done.
0: Little, so
1: appreciate that. Yep. So, um, Firefox made a little bump. In in case our listeners wonder what that was about. Um, I saw my Firefoxes updating themselves. I said, wait a minute, we just got that like a couple days ago. Well, this was a tiny one. This went from version twenty-seven to twenty-seven point zero point one, and basically just fixed a couple little problems which cropped up in twenty-seven. So this was this is unusual that Mozilla does a non-major update because they've been doing the major updates now so frequently that normally they're just able to sweep up anything that they, they need to in a major update. But this one they needed to fix, so there really wasn't much to see there. As I mentioned before, it it reminded me about Speedy, which put me on to Quick, Q-U-I-C, which is Google's really cool protocol for speeding up web stuff, which I hope we'll talk about next week. Because uh, <laughs> I really want to. I, I'm, I'm ready to go, but well, as we'll see, the the week's news just overwhelmed us. Um, Many of our listeners noticed that or actually received email. I was even getting email from other people who knew that I used Kickstarter and were warning me in case I hadn't seen Kickstarter's email directly. Um, so they got breached. Um, Yancey Strickler, who is the co-founder of Uh, and head of communications at Kickstarter, tweeted on Saturday, just this most recent Saturday, what, uh, February 15th, he said, on Wednesday night, law enforcement officials contacted Kickstarter and alerted us that hackers had sought and gained unauthorized access to some of our customers' data, actually two customers. Upon learning this, we immediately closed the security breach and began strengthening security measures throughout the Kickstarter system. Now I and our listeners this you know that first paragraph you know leaves us with some questions. It's like wait a minute. How did you immediately close the breach? How did some external law enforcement official know and and tell you like you know you didn't know it yourself and and so forth i mean so there's things we don't know things we may never know and things in fact since no additional information has come out and we see or sort of move past it now i think we know all we're going to Uh, he did you know calm some worries saying that no credit card data of any kind was accessed by hackers there's no evidence of unauthorized activity of any kind on all but two Kickstarter user accounts. And then he said, while no credit card data was accessed, some information about our customers was. Accessed information included usernames, email addresses, mailing addresses, phone numbers, and encrypted passwords. Actual passwords were not revealed, However, it is possible for a malicious person with enough computing power to guess and crack an encrypted password, particularly a weak or obvious one. So, you know that tells us that, thank goodness, Kickstarter, as you would expect, being you know in the technology business, did things right. And in fact, they did them they did them right from day one.
0: Hallelujah! In a, Hallelujah! An, in, Somebody who did things right for a change.
1: Yes. In a Q and A that they posted, they asked themselves the question: How were passwords encrypted? And in fact, many people were actually, were, you know, authentically asking the question. And so their response is: Older passwords were uniquely salted and digested with SHA one multiple times, which you know, that's very good for like the dawn of Kickstarter. And then they said more recent passwords are hashed with bcrypt, and of course bcrypt we've discussed is a is a is a good password based key derivation function. It deliberately uses the Blowfish um, cipher as its scrambling mechanism, but they, and they chose Blowfish because Blowfish has an, a a very slow. Um, a uh, key schedule algorithm remember that in a in a symmetric cipher you 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 whatever the input key is it this the so-called key schedule is the algorithm which normally expands that data it takes whatever the key length is 128 bits 256 whatever and expands it out to a larger amount of data because typically then you have multiple rounds of a simpler cipher and each round is keyed uniquely with different data from this so-called key schedule, which was expanded from the actual input key. So Blowfish, it's a character, a well-known characteristic of Blowfish that while it's a very good cipher and it's st- stood the test of times, of course, it was designed by Bruce Schneier, I am think, and, and maybe Ferguson, I don't remember, but um, certainly Bruce was involved and it's it's still going strong. It's not preferred now because it does take so long to set up the key. Well, in something that you want to take long, like like, you know, brute forcing a password that you want something that is going to take a while and cannot be easily short circuited. So they they did that. But even before that, they were using unique salt uh, and unique means per account, which means that they can't take just an, an SHA-1 um, rainbow table or existing dictionary and apply it against that. And they were doing multiple iterations of SHA-1. They don't give us a count, but the fact that it's more than one means that, you know, they from the beginning, they understood how to do this. So, you know, it's it's annoying that things got loose. In their email, they stressed the need, and I would say maybe overstressed given how well-protected Kickstarter users were, Uh, I mean, uh, except for the fact that our customer names, email addresses, phone numbers, uh, mailing addresses, and so forth got loose. I mean, that's a big breach of personal data. But they were also then prompting people to change their password if they use the same password on multiple sites. Um, I mean, that's not bad advice. The better solution is not to use the same password on multiple sites. Um, But they've really gone out of their way to protect users so um we'll we'll keep our eye out for any indication that these passwords had been breached but you know they they really did protect uh their users as well as you know anyone could expect them to
0: i changed my password but you're right uh Given all oh that. yeah, I
1: definitely changed my Kickstarter password. Yeah. And
0: I and I had, you know, I was using a strong generated password. Yep. D- uh, somebody in the chat room, Jeff suggested that perhaps it's because they use Amazon payments on Kickstarter that they had to adhere to a higher standard. I don't know. Could I, be. I mean, it w- w- would be nice to believe. Amazon holds the credentials, so at the uh, even you know, if you didn't do everything right, the best they get is the password because they're not going to get a credit card or, or anything.
1: Problem of course is that Amazon is notorious themselves for not being https <laughs> everywhere. All right. Uh you know you, you 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 do you have to be secure briefly, but the, you know
0: stealing Amazon sessions is is trivial. I doubt do. very I mean I'm sure they had a back channel to Amazon for the payments. Who knows? I don't know actually. I shouldn't say that. That may not be. I think it pushes you to Amazon come to think of it. When you make a payment uh, on Kickstarter, push you that's to an Amazon page. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think that technology is well well done. I don't mean to disparage Amazon. I think they've done a good job. But re- Amazon, it's time to switch everybody over to HTTPS. Yes. So let's. It's time. 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 It's time. So um, there's been a record broken. Unfortunately, <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> a bad one. Huh? A bad the one record you don't want to break. Yeah. Um, and that is. That Cloudflare uh, blogged about deflecting the largest yeah. DDoS attack they've ever seen, the largest one anyone has ever seen, now touching 400 gigabits per we had, second.
0: Uh, John Graham Cumming, who uh, works at Cloudflare, on Twitter yep. on Sunday. Talked a lot about that. Really interesting. Really interesting. And he does a great white paper on how that happens on the cloud. Yes. uh, In
1: fact, I've got a link here in the show notes to uh, John's uh, link. It's titled "Understanding and Mitigating NTP Based DDoS Attacks." Um, And so this, and you just heard NTP. This is what I talked about about a month ago. Is that you know this is now the it's the new darling of the the bots which are attacking because it gives on the order of 5 what is that, 550 some um amplification of bandwidth
0: you could start and, with a megabit connection and get a yes. 400 or even 500 gigabit per second attack with a megabit yes. connection
1: yes so i mean so what what they wrote there was some interesting data here in in the cloudflare discussion of this they said not just theoretical, and they said Monday's DDoS proved these attacks aren't just theoretical. To generate approximately 400 gigabits of traffic, the attacker—and now this is this is their own metrics, this specific attacker—to so to generate this 400 gigabits that they deflected, the attacker used 4,529 NTP servers. OK, so that's so that's little over forty five hundred network time protocol servers scattered all over the Internet. And that 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 map you showed, I also have it here in the show notes, are the locations of those network time protocol servers. Quite evenly so remember,
0: distributed globally, just everywhere.
1: Yeah. And so you'll notice that that or, or you'll remember from my discussion of how this works, that somebody is sending requests to those 4,500 servers for the list of all of up to 600 other requests they've received for the for the internet time. And so the request, however, has its source IP spoofed. So it uses source IP spoofing so that those 4,500 servers believe that the target of the attack, someone, and in this case, it was an account, you know, as a website that Cloudflare was in the business of protecting from these attacks. Yeah, he
0: didn't name names either. We don't know who. Right.
1: Yeah. right. And so, so somebody sent, was sprayed these 4,500 NTP servers with requests for their list of people who've contacted them, the most recent 600, spoofing the source IP so they all aimed, all 4,500 of those servers aimed their responses, focusing it down to a single IP that was the target of the attack. So, so the blog says the attacker used 4,529 NTP servers running on 1,298 different networks. So this is the, So almost 1,300, too shy of 1,300 different networks. So, so, you know, three or four NTP servers per network scattered, as you said, Leo, globally. On average, each of these servers sent, the, each of the 4,500 plus NTP servers sent 87 megabits of traffic. To the intended victim on Cloudflare's network. And this is one of the other problems with this attack: is that more so than DNS servers, which w- have been used in similar reflection attacks, NTP servers tend to be running on big iron. DNS generally isn't very high bandwidth, it doesn't necessarily have high bandwidth connections. NTP servers generally are running on routers, you know, big iron routers, and they've they've got NTP service just sort of running as a side effect of just you know the fact that they're running a, a system that offers all of these common internet services.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's kind of a default service on us, on, on uncommonly on servers. Exactly. So they they may have disabled it. Uh, I mean, unless they're. Clients need it, or but it seems like it's just not. It's well, always yeah, on, it, right? I mean, this is the problem. It's on by default, right? And um, and, and so
1: this posting goes. Uh, it continues saying, remarkably, it is possible that the attacker used only a single <laughs> server right. running on a network that allowed source IP address spoofing to initiate the requests. Right. They said while NTP servers that support MonList, that's the command, MonList are less common than OpenDNS resolvers. They tend to run on beefier servers with fatter connections to the network. Combined with the high amplification factor, which remember is like 500 plus, 550 times, this allows a much smaller number of NTP servers to generate very large attacks. For comparison, the attack that targeted Spam House used 31,000 open DNS resolvers to generate a 300 gigabit DDoS attack. On Monday, with one seventh the number of vulnerable servers, the attacker was able to generate an attack that was 33% larger than wow. the Spam House attack. So, it's it's interesting too because I in the research I did for this I ran across it might have been in John's posting or maybe lower in that blog posting where they where the author was sort of musing about you know I would like to talk to whoever it was mm. that 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 even came up with this monolist command it's like why it, it's like why why do you care why would you have a command to tell some arbitrary NTP server (laughs) to tell you who it's been talking to. It's like, who cares?
0: But that's a long list, presumably, and that's what fuels the DDoS because sending that response back to the target is going to jam its pipes, especially if it comes from many, many, many many NTP servers. There are other similar amplification attacks. We've talked about them before. Um, You could ask a a router for for its tables, things like that, right? Well... A BGP um, routers. Nor-
1: normally, routers that you talk to are TCP and TCP ah, cannot be spoofed. Saves that, right. right yes. Right. And so that's the great has danger. has to be UDP, okay. Yeah, it's got to be UDP because that doesn't involve the three-way handshake that, that among other things, verifies the IP address at, at each end. It is so- trivial
0: to configure the NTP server to ignore that request.
1: Yes, and, and that is – so the, so there's several things you can do. You can not have raw sockets <coughs> uh, available to the operating system that doesn't need them, and then, then software is unable to spoof the source IP. Or the ISP could block the the departure of packets – that do have spoofed source IPs. Remember that the and this is called egress filtering. We've talked about it in the past. Any ISP is like they're hosting some set of IPs. You know, you know, it's like, you know, if it's a cable modem company, they're like 24 dot IPs, right? So, so the that ISP absolutely knows what its IP space is. All they have to do is block packets egressing, leaving their boundary, their their network border that don't say they're coming from their IP space. Because for this attack to work, it's necessary for packets to be leaving an environment with a different IP that have that are lying about that uh, that generating that source IP and so all you have to do is just drop those packets put a filter if a simple filter rule in your in your outbound routers that that interconnect the ISP to the internet and this problem goes away. you can no longer spoof source IPs. so that is and that, that, that's a general mitigation for all uh, spoofed source IP reflection attacks across the board, um, and then of course the the ultimate solution, which we will never reach, because many of these servers will are you know in closets. They're the famous you know server in the closet that it just sits there. It's, it hasn't been rebooted for ten years, and it won't be. Um, but mitigation of this would be good too. That is to say, as you said, Leo, it turns out it's a simple configuration line. You add a line to the NTP config file saying, uh, don't tell people who we've been talking to. Just disable that list command. It's trivial to do. And the problem also goes away that way. So that would be nice. Now, it it is the case also that if you're generating um, 87 megabits... From the average end, the average router, probably, running NTP, all aimed at one location, that should show up as a blip on the radar of the people in the NOC, the, the network operations center, for the people running these routers. Or, you know, these NTP servers, probably a service running in a router. That ought to raise a question in them. It's like, wait a minute, why... Why do we have a bunch of of routers that are all suddenly generating 87 plus megabits of traffic in a you know aimed at a certain direction and all they have to do is look at it and go oh we're being used our our server is or this router probably is being abused by some some, some attacker uh, and used to do NTP amplification and reflection so they that would, you know, that would motivate them to simply, you know, fix their server. So this may be something over time that gets fixed, but, you know, wow. And and the other point I wanted to make was that while this attack was happening, other aspects of the internet, not the victim, were affected. And that's a consequence of the way the internet works. Remember when I first talked about about the idea of when when it was our first podcast about Ed Snowden and how the how traffic was concentrated. I was using the example of Google. How how as as data was coming closer and closer in terms of 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 hopping from one router to the next, it was approaching Google. And this was where I used the original at that time it was speculation, but it's since been confirmed that all the NSA had to do was tap outside of Google because the traffic would have been concentrated down by the time it got to Google so that you could just like monitor nearby and you'd be getting all of Google's traffic. Well, similarly, an attack of this magnitude means that it might have even been bigger than 400 gigahertz. But routers, several jumps away, were overloaded <laughs> and, and unable to handle the attack. Because, again, it's, it's a concentration. And so if you had less capable routers, which were fine for normal, you know, day-to-day internet traffic. But the point is that even before the last few stages of concentration, this an attack this size would have and did in fact bring down other routers just that were that were trying to do their job of forwarding the traffic but there was too much incoming for them to send and the, the, uh, other sites that were not even related ended up being knocked off the internet because the the point is this was so overwhelming that that you just go, that you know s- several several um steps away they the attack got so big that that non-targeted hardware could no longer handle it i mean it's It's a pretty
0: impressive (laughs) weird phenomenon (laughs) but it's something you probably can only do once i would imagine the people who perpetrated this had had it in their back pocket for a while and then used it and know that now ntp will probably be widely patched or disabled and it's you probably gonna can't take a
1: do while. it again. I, I I it's I mean the 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 people in the know are not happy that this happened right. because this went for, because this was theoretical. It was in fact there's a link at the top of this article uh I I have a uh, in there Leo the uh, the uscert.gov link. Yeah. That's that's their report about the concern over NTP Oh, I'm sorry, over UDP reflection attacks, and they list many different services which can be used to attack.
0: DNS, NTP, SNMP, NetBIOS, SSDP, KerGen, QOTD, BitTorrent, CAD, Quake, Network Protocol, and Steam Protocol.
1: And if you scroll down a little bit, they, they also show the amplification factor. right. right. NTP is the, the best
0: them. one of the bunch
1: yes and so that's what we're seeing right. but in fact john, uh, john was saying that snmp that's another he mentioned unique, that one yeah yeah yes uh that's a simple network management protocol and that's the one where uh and in fact that may be what you were referring to Spam uh, house. that was the
0: spam house attack was uh, snmp wasn't
1: it be- yeah but well because there is there are snmp queries where you say, tell ah, me everything right. about what's going on in your router, right. and it dumps a phenomenal amount of information
0: out. I would just hope that, that this, this you know, now that the word's out, that these things are, it seems like they're easily fixed for future reference. Right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely easily fixed. It's just,
1: it's, again, this is like the, and this is, if, if this, particular podcast has a a theme and unfortunately it does. Yeah. It, it's this sense that we're not going to win this. I no longer believe that, that we're going to win this. I think new stuff is happening at an accelerating rate. Everyone knows that, you know, how I feel about new, <laughs> it's right. just bad. Um, in fact, someone commented that this, they thought they got a kick out of the fact that the screenshots I have for the the forthcoming Squirrel UI, which I posted, and he said, I thought, I, he, it was a listener, who said, I got a kick out of the fact, Steve, that they're XP screenshots. It's like, ah. oh, yeah, they are. That's <laughs> the, uh,
0: of course uh, they are. <laughs> what else would they, they be? You think Steve would install Windows 8 just for screenshots? Come on! Oh, it's new. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. The, uh, so, the factor that CERT gives is actually low on SNMP. I think that uh, John said it was actually much higher it would be i think it's vastly higher yeah, leo yeah. maybe they're they're maybe they're doing a little misdirection hoping that the bad guys don't notice
1: yeah that yeah, yeah. snmp i mean I, I use snmp uh i've got a like, like a screen here that monitors what's going on at grc and so i'm querying using snmp the various hardware that i have in our level three facility you know our our, our data center constantly getting its packet counts and so forth and i remember when you when you traverse this the the SNMP tree, it's all it's like this dotted dotted decimal notation, which has all been standardized, and they're called uh, I can't remember. The, the, there's a name for that. It's not SMBs, that's server message blocks, but there's something um, w- which is like th- th- this this well established protocol for. For enumerating the contents of network equipment over simple network management protocol, but boy, you can you can ask it a question that'll give you a huge answer to. Uh,
0: the spam mouse attack was Open DNS. I'm sorry, really right? It was myself DNS. myself on that. Yeah. Um, so UDP is in a way the problem. You're not going to get rid of UDP, but we certainly should look at all protocols that use UDP and yes, and, and at- mitigate and and
1: you you could look you could go to at the protocol end, or you could you could tell isps there there's ah, now a standard. this is what he
0: was suggesting yeah
1: yes there there is a well established standard for egress filtering where isps simply drop packets which are carrying spoofed source ips and that would end this problem i mean, and even if all isps didn't, it would mean that that it would be much more difficult to find. You'd have you'd have to explicitly then find um, machines in non-filtering ISPs that you know that, that weren't doing this blocking, but still, you know, bl- blocking really does make sense.
0: Interesting, interesting.
1: Okay, so there's that. Yes. Um, now we have the Linksys router moon worm <laughs> the
0: hack of the week
1: <laughs> now what? oh my lord um so i wasn't aware until i followed some links where this was discovered but because uh the the very you know ours technica reported uh windows it pro was doing reporting on it and all that was said was that it was a wyoming-based isp well it turns out it's an old friend of ours leo brett glass you know, I've known Brett. You've known Brett great, for decades. Great
0: tech journalist. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. He he was uh, at uh, InfoWorld for a, a long time while I was there, and he is really a you know he's a techies techie. Um, so, what Brett wrote, I thought was interesting because it was in a is in, in a in a posting to one of the Ars Technica pieces. He said, "I'm the ISP huh. who discovered who discovered the worm."
0: That was an early WISP wireless ISP guy. I don't know yes, if this was his it, WISP or
1: it must no, have been. No, no. Yeah, it is. He he is still because, you know, he's like in the boonies of right, Wyoming and right. there was no internet service anywhere. And and he and I have talked about him like it, getting Pringles cans and like going up to water towers out in the middle of nowhere and like aiming the, you know, aiming the can or or maybe it wasn't a can. It might have been a, a I can't remember the name of the antenna he was using, but. Uh, Yagi, I think it was a Yagi is the name I was thinking of. I mean, so he like was (laughs) really pioneering, bringing internet to farmland, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and as you said, being a wireless ISP. Um, so he said, he said, I'm the ISP who discovered the worm. It was not saturating our entire ISP's bandwidth. Actually, that was, that was a misstatement that ours Technica's reporting uh, made. He said, we don't let a customer commandeer unlimited bandwidth. But it was consuming users' bandwidth allocations, slowing down their legitimate activity and interrupting streams and VPN connections. He says, I discovered the worm when these users called to complain of poor performance and I employed a packet sniffer to investigate the cause. I've now seen hits from thousands of exploited routers, but the number of infections worldwide is likely to be much larger, hundreds of thousands, if not more. Just as the media is beginning to chatter about, quote, the Internet of Things, we're starting to see serious exploits of these things. The potential for harm and invasion of privacy is breathtaking, and it's of great concern that Linksys was recently sold by Cisco, he says, parens, which has ample security resources, close parens, to Belkin, which which does not. (laughs) Not that Cisco
0: was doing anything right with Linksys anyway, but – Yeah, I was going to say, not not like – They may have had resources – but they didn't apply yeah. them, <laughs> so
1: so he so so Brett poses the rhetorical question: Will Belkin be able to handle this breach as Cisco could have?
0: Could you describe uh, what this malware does? Is this is new? Yes. Right? We
1: we've yes, not we've not is, talked
0: about this before.
1: No, this is brand new. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. Uh, Brett says, in any event, the security exploit that's used by the worm will work in all current. And recent Linksys routers.
0: Oh. Because
1: Inclu- yes. Linksys
0: said older E series
1: routers. Yeah, I know. That was not true. Ooh. All, all current and recent Linksys routers, including the entire E series. And he says, yes, parens E1200s with the most recent firmware, version
0: 2.0.06. Probably the best selling router uh, out there by far. Which is. Why Brett brings it up, I
1: mean, Brett knows his stuff. He says, are vulnerable after all. The Valet series and some with WRT part numbers. For example, the WRT 160. However, this particular worm seems to focus on the E-series and appears to be aimed at marshalling a botnet. So far, it does not appear that the malware flashes itself in so it can be removed by a reboot but it appears that any router with stock firmware that's exposed to the internet at a public IP address which is to say all of them <laughs> can be reinfected even if it has a secure password and finally he says i am i am not he says i am continuing my research into this worm as are the folks at sans who are fantastically bright and competent. After I informed them about the malware, they duplicated 99% of my work in less than a day and forged on ahead. So that was from Brett who discovered this. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's anything else to add. We know that it connects to to port 8080 and runs a CGI script on the router which downloads and executes a two-megabyte program, which then scans other vulnerable routers. But it lives at this point only in RAM and Reboot clears it. Now, of course, the problem is that unless we get firmware, which solves this problem, we are subject to reinfect, reinfection and other worms can be designed, which may not be as nice behaving. So this apparently, people who have looked at this say, this appears to just be uh, replicating itself in order to show that it can. Now, Linksys has put out an official statement saying, Linksys is aware of the malware called the moon. By the way, uh, the moon, it was named the moon by the guys at Sands because as they took it apart, they found some HTML pages and images from the movie of that title, The Moon. So that's, which by the way, is kind of a funky. What's the movie, fun- The Moon? I don't even know that. Oh, it's good, good. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, you. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. When Oblivion came out yeah. uh, in the early early last summer, which was still one of my favorite movies of, of last year, Tom Hanks, uh, I'm sorry, not Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, um, several people said, you know, that's a little reminiscent a little derivatives like and so i then saw the moon because it did not get great reviews and it's kind of it's funky but it's definitely if you're a sci-fi person i i i I would recommend it yeah. um anyway so uh linksys says is aware that the malware called the moon has affected <laughs> select older linksys e-series routers and select older wireless N access points and routers. So as you say, Leo, they're stressing older, but in, as I believe Brett, uh, he wouldn't say this otherwise. The exploit to bypass the admin authentication used by the worm only works when the remote management access feature is enabled. Linksys ships these products with the remote act management access feature turned off by default. So that's significant. And and happily mitigating. Customers who have not enabled the remote access, the remote management access feature are not susceptible to this specific malware. Customers who have enabled the remote management access feature can prevent further vulnerability to their network by disabling the remote management access feature and rebooting their router to remove the installed malware.
0: We tell everybody to do that, right? Yes, that's the remote. The explo- that's the Wan Wan administration. Is that what the we
1: yes yeah. Our, the advice from this podcast from day one has yeah. been that is a you bad idea yeah, <laughs> and you don't need it. Yeah, often you know there have been manufacturers who have it on by default, the enabled by default. So, absolutely disabling it if you don't need it is is what you should do. However, the 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 mistake here is that a this was a an exploit of the. Of the URL parsing in the server listening on port 8080 running in the router. And so it was one of these buffer overflow, super long, um, queries that was able to get, is able to execute shell code essentially. And that then was enough to get the router to go download the malware, which is much larger, two megabytes, into itself and run it. Um... So in their Linksys knowledge base, I create there's a there's a bunch of information per model number and per router. I created a Bitly shortcut for it: b i t dot l y slash the moon worm all lowercase. bit.ly slash the moon worm, and that will take you to a, a URL which is ridiculously long, um, which is the is Linksys' knowledge base for this problem. Um, And it says there, the moon malware bypasses authentication on the router by logging in without actually knowing the admin credentials. Once infected, the router starts flooding the network with ports 80 and 8080 outbound traffic, resulting in heavy data activity. This can be manifested as having unusually slow internet connectivity on all devices. So, if anyone, like, feels like something has gone wrong and you have a Linksys router, this may be what's gone wrong. And But on the other hand, remember, if you didn't turn on – if you've got firmware that has this off by default, it would be interesting if that's where this older firmware comes uh, maybe in. Maybe
0: that's if, what they're saying is we, we – Yes, yeah. is, that,
1: is that the older firmware had it enabled by default right. and they're not saying that. Um, so, so the newer stuff has it disabled by default, but you know, a responsible network person who know they needed, who had a, had a, had a reason for needing remote management access would have given it like a really good password and thought, okay, I'm probably safe. Well, and so the takeaway here is no, unfortunately there is some sort of buffer overrun in the, in the parsing of the query string, which allows remote hacker-provided code to take over your router. So um, you definitely want to turn off remote management access if, um, and, until this is fixed and patched and verified. The uh, uh, Linksys
0: remediation and, page also says, uh, check the box that says, filter anonymous internet requests. And I guess the only that the impact on that would be it would would break multicast or I don't know what you'd need that for anonymous, anonymous internet, internet requests. requests. Make sure that's not checked. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is,
1: that doesn't sound good. You don't no, want don't, you don't want to allow anonymous,
0: anonymous internet requests, do you? Really? Um, the only thing I could think is that you're you're probably, um, you're
1: you're challenged for a login admin and password, and then your requests carry that response back in the headers. And so it's no longer anonymous. Right. So, but you would need it. I would think you'd need it the first time in order to get, you make an anonymous request in order to pr- be challenged for the, for the, for the logon credentials, but yeah. um, definitely turn it off unless you know, I, you I can't think of off. a reason why you'd want that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Continuing the hit parade. Uh, what, what, one down. Yeah, of course,
0: putting DDWRT on your Linksys is probably the best idea.
1: Yes, in <laughs> fact, uh, that that was another piece of advice I saw elsewhere. Was by all means install third party good firmware. You know, buy the hardware from these people that make the the blue boxes, and uh, and then stick real hard, real, you know, real community real design software, on and, it, for, real some software, good software on it. Yeah. it. Uh, Lord. So speaking of Belkin, I was it was bizarre that Brett, you know, talked about the Belkin's purchase of Linksys and wondered what it meant. And then also brought up the Internet of Things, both rather prescient here, because this is just today, February 18th. This morning, uh, we get the news. And in fact, I, in my notes, I said, speak of the devil, um, Belkin uh, Slashdot ha- has the story. And and this is the regarding Belkin's so-called WEMO, W-E-M-O. And I didn't even think to v- wonder what it actually stands for because I was going to say if it was WEMO, then this <laughs> is Waymo access than you intend to give to your household appliances. I think
0: it's like remote, uh, re- remote,
1: remote.
0: I don't know. I've used them. I love them. We reviewed them. They're great. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, think Leo. they're that widely used
1: uh um, um, half a million of them, huh. or half a million huh. users, apparently. Okay. Uh, they're 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 claiming at least that's only one sixth as many people who have Java in their. <laughs> you device. can
0: control your Wemo with if this then that, so you can have it respond to various things. It can it has a motion. There's motion detectors. There's turn on lights. They're, they're all internet connected. So hey, if that's if great. this then that, that's a cool little thing. That sounds like a little logic flow. Oh, you, you haven't stuff. seen that site. No, IFTTT.com. Oh, wait you're going to wait, love wait, wait, wait it. Minute.
1: You're telling me you're giving some website access to you, the devices in your home? Oh,
0: sure. What are uh, they going to okay. do, turn off the <laughs> lights? Oh, there's a lot of stuff you could do with if this, that, oh, that. Oh,
1: nothing could go wrong
0: with that. No, no, no. It's wonderful. It puts the internet to work for you. How could That's you, right. How could you not? That. I use it. It works with the Nest. It uh, works with the Hue lights. So, for instance, when the, when the sun goes down, I have my lights uh, turn on. Because
1: of some third-party Internet site that's, like, sending commands to your home? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I just sign into my if this, then that, (laughs) and I create a recipe. It works with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Craigslist, Google Drive, Foursquare. Well,
1: then in that case, I have a context for you, Leo. Yeah. The the context of this next story is that hackers don't even need to break in to if this, then that. (laughs) To gain access, direct access to the the devices you have in your home, uh, which are light switches, outlet outlet plugs, motion detectors. They're also announced in in this year they're partnering with Mr. Coffee, the Crock-Pot company and Sunbeam and others to bring home automation to your favorite everyday appliances.
0: What does explain why the other day I came home and my coffee maker was on, my thermostat was turned all the way up, all the lights in the house were on and the TV was set on our porn channel. I thought it was my kids. Run away, Leo. <laughs> No. I'm You've just, lost control I'm of teasing. your home. <laughs> That's what happens when you have children. It's the same.
1: So a security researcher uh, who has a little firm, IO Active Inc. Um, I had his name here and I don't see. Oh, Mike Davis. Um uh, they put out a press release. There's a link to it. There's that PDF. Oh, sorry, not the PDF, the, the link above in the show notes, Leo. It says, IOactive Inc., the leading global provider of specialist information security services, announced today, that is this morning, as we're recording this, that it has uncovered multiple vulnerabilities in Belkin Wemo home automation devices that could affect over half a million users. Belkin's Wemo uses Wi-Fi, and the mobile internet to control home electronics anywhere in the world. Yes, even from the Ukraine, when you're not anywhere near the Ukraine, directly from the user's smartphone, and for that matter, anyone else. I'm adding that, of course. Didn't mean to embellish their press release. Mike Davis, IOactive's principal research scientist, uncovered multiple vulnerabilities in the Wemo product set that gives attackers the abilities to... Remotely control Wemo home automation attached devices over the Internet. Number two, perform malicious firmware updates. Number three, remotely monitor the devices in some cases. And number four, access an internal home network. So they can use this as a beachhead. They can use the installed Belkin Wemo device essentially as a proxy to get onto your home network. Davis said, quote, as we connect our homes to the internet, it is increasingly important for the internet of things device vendors to ensure that reasonable security methodologies are adopted early in development cycles, product development cycles. This mitigates their customers exposure and reduces risk. Yeah, no kidding. Another concern is that the WEMO devices use motion sensors, which can be used by an attacker to remotely monitor occupancy within the home. Once an attacker has established a connection to a WEMO device within a victim's network, the device can be used as a foothold to attack other devices, such as laptops, mobile phones, and attached network file storage. So... Little details here, drilling down into this. Um, as I mentioned to you, Leo, at the top of the podcast when we were talking about you know this craziness, the the, the reason I named this <laughs> this this podcast Sisyphus um, for some reason Belkin Belkin's firmware in uh, signing key is included in the firmware. The Belkin Wemo firmware images. ...that are used to update the devices... ...are signed with public key encryption... ...oh, that sounds good... ...to protect against unauthorized modifications... ...oh, good, good... ...however, the signing key and password... ...are leaked on the firmware... ...that is already installed on the devices... ...this allows attackers to use the same signing key and password... To sign their own malicious firmware and bypass security checks during the firmware upgrade process. Meaning that, okay, so it's nice that public key crypto, you know, in, pu- pu- public key crypto encryption is been used for the firmware. It should not, however, include the private key and the password. Whoops. So currently it does. Then they use SSL only for privacy, not for authentication. And in fact, we're going to loop around back to this misuse of SSL a little bit later in the podcast. So what does that mean? We've talked about how SSL provides you, provides two things. It provides privacy through encryption. And it provides authentication through the use of the, the whole SSL security certificate hierarchy rooted in certificate authorities. But Belkin's WEMO devices do not validate secure socket layer certificates, preventing them from validating communications with Belkin's cloud service. That is all the communication. See, these things, when you access one of these devices from your smartphone, your smartphone is connecting to Belkin's cloud, and the devices have static connections to Belkin's cloud. And so that's it's through the cloud intermediary that you're able to, you know, be notified, to change your temperature in your house, turn on the crock pot, and so forth. Unfortunately, even though they're using SSL, the devices don't do certificate validation. So it is, it is completely possible for the SSL connections to be intercepted and bad guys to take them over that way. And uh, as, um, as this report says, this allows attackers to use any SSL certificate to impersonate Belkin's cloud services and push malicious firmware updates and capture credentials at the same time. Due to the cloud integration... The firmware update is pushed to the victim's home regardless of which paired device receives the update notification or its physical location. So it's not good. And they use in order to do nat traversal, uh, we've talked about nat traversal in the past. There's this the so-called stun and turn STUN and TURN protocols, and it turns out that they've been implemented in a way that allows them to be abused. Uh, Their report says the internet communications infrastructure used to communicate um, Belkin Wemo devices is based on an abused protocol that was designed for use by VoIP, voice over IP services, to bypass firewall or NAT restrictions. It does this in a way that compromises all Wemo devices' security by creating a virtual Wemo darknet where all Wemo devices can be connected to directly. And with some limited guessing of a secret number controlled even without the firmware update attack. So, I mean, this just, it's, it's not good. Finally, the Belkin Wemo server application programming interface, so their API was also found to be vulnerable to XML inclusion vulnerabilities, which would allow attackers to compromise all WEMO devices. So then this wraps up. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Was this disclosed responsibly? I mean, this is big news, and this is not good news. They said under responsible disclosure, IOActive feels very strongly about responsible disclosure and, as such, worked closely with CERT on the vulnerabilities that were discovered. CERT, which will be publishing its own advisory today, and that is online, made several attempts to contact Belkin about these issues. However, Belkin was unresponsive. Due to Belkin not producing any fixes for the issues discussed, IOActive felt it important to release an advisory and recommends unplugging all devices from the affected Wemo products. That's too bad. So, yeah. Uh, So this
0: is, you know, this, again, as I I said... I mean, really, seriously. So they can turn on lights in your house. And they can monitor your motions, I guess, if you have them everywhere in the house. I mean, most people wouldn't have them everywhere in the house. What is the the worst thing that could happen from this? Okay. Um...
1: uh, (sighs) I mean, it's a function of what you plug this into.
0: Well, yeah. Um, Okay, if if you plug it into your iron lung, they could kill you. (laughs) But I doubt you plug your iron lung. Mostly this is about plugging in lamps so that you can turn them on remotely. Um, The motion sensors, I guess if you had them everywhere in the house, then a bad guy could see if anybody was home. But they're not everywhere in the house. They're... You know, there's maybe in the living room. I mean, nobody's going to... They're too expensive to put everywhere. So how about remote
1: access to your internal network?
0: That's not good. But... but, So they can get into my Wemo and then use the Wemo to hack my... As a a proxy,
1: because it's on your network. Is that theoretical
0: or is there actually a way to do that?
1: Uh, There's actually a way to do that. We... uh, we're not wanting to talk about that too much because <laughs> okay. it's All right.
0: so bad. All right, so because <laughs> they could easily get into the Wemo itself, I mean, the it Wemo was a dumb device, but they could use that as a gateway into the Wi-Fi network. Because it's on bypassing, your wifi Bypassing any WPA or any kind of security. Well, because
1: you know, it's on your network. It, it had to have your network key right. in order to be on your network, and it's using your network and your network connectivity in order to get out onto the Internet. So if... Its firmware is abusable, or if if you know, even if its cloud services are abusable, then that allows a way for people to get into. I mean, you know, this news just hit Leo, right? And so we will not long from now be hearing about you know exploits of this in the same way that you know you know uh, uh, unfortunately obscure vulnerabilities get exploited, right? And you know, it's like this this weird you know authentication bypass on the on the linksys routers well someone discovered that
0: there was yeah, a bad that's your router for, this is uh, the thing that turns the lights on and off. i mean it's not no,
1: it is a router
0: they've turned this i into guess it a router. is right yeah. this is a router right
1: yeah, yeah and, and you mentioned that they were dumb and, and, not, and not smart, and that's the problem. Right. Unfortunately, they are underpowered so that they're not able to do an SSL certificate verification.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know,
1: so it's like, oh, well, we'll use
0: you know, SSL. If I put it on for- the guest network, for instance, would that make it more usable? Isolating it from your,
1: yes, isolating it from your home network or, or you know, setting up a second router that is only for your, you know, questionable security devices. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And then definitely don't attach it to your iron long. And <laughs> if right you're out. a person, if you've got a Comcast router that has a public Wi-Fi hotspot, you know, in your living room, h- hook it up to that one.
0: Right. Share <laughs> it, it, sure, that home. with the world, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By the way, uh, there we found somebody emailed me. There is a switch you can go to the settings at Comcast and disable it if you dig deep enough.
1: Yes, and many people also commented uh, in our in our
0: coverage of that that if you just use your own hardware. Yeah, I I use an Apple router on a Comcast network. Obviously, they can't. That you know, I don't have a Comcast Wi-Fi device, and no one should. All right, nope. I'll 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 consider. I don't have any WeMos because I didn't find them all that useful. But uh, that's that's the 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 real attack is it's it's a uh, unguarded pathway into your WAN.
1: Into yes, your WAN. I, well, that's the worst thing. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, having your lights turn on and off, and and being no, and having the. I mean, see, here's the problem, Leo. Next up is webcams. And you know nanny monitors and baby monitors right. and I mean this is we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. You can imagine Belkin has you know twenty more devices on the drawing board. I was talking about this SkyBell that, that, that a friend of mine has, which is a video doorbell, and it's the same thing. It's on. It's in the cloud. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing because these are also price sensitive they are you know they're they're running the smallest processors they the least about the least amount of memory they're they're really you know cut down technologies but then they're leveraging technologies designed for full-scale systems right like, the, like like ssl certificates but whoops we're you know self-signed certificates work just fine because we're not checking to make sure that they're signed by a, a you know a, by a valid certificate authority because we can't afford the storage right. remember when i you know hong kong post office These you are know, little devices that-
0: they're little doohickeys
1: yeah. yeah. But but they're act, they're like playing in the major leagues now. They're now on the internet right. and they're bridges into your home network. And there will be so,
0: lots of these. I mean Nest and Hue yes, and Wemo, yes. I mean all of these Sonos, all of these. There'll be lots of these. So.
1: And when so when when you start off saying, well, what damage can be done because, you know, it, it turns my table lamp on and off. It's like today wait till you know and we we need to get a, a handle on this and the internet of things as brett said and you know as as you know even the io active guy said it, it it's here it's coming
0: but for now keep and, it off your iron lung and banks if you're using wemos to uh, open the safes the vaults at a given time probably shouldn't that'd be a mistake i'm not i'm not using any <laughs> of this stuff leo like i well, said know, i'm you're that, using xp steve we know
1: you're uh, not uh, using uh, it and I have a, a, a model, a 2001 car, and I'm quite happy that I still have to have a key that, that I put in and turn. It's how it's long like, ah. before
0: you move to a cabin in the wilderness. <laughs> 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 All right, moving. <laughs> moving. I will take that under advisement, and uh, I, I long ago retired any Wemos in my house, but just because they were dumb. How long have they been around? Oh, a year or so. Yeah, These Weebelos. Wemo, Wemo. <laughs>
1: Okay, and Asus routers are exposing the entire contents of the uh, USB drives that are plugged into them. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Great. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Asus Tech uh, uh, is also been non-responsive. People are now finding a text file on the drives, which they intended only to be... Used the, the the idea. The backstory here is that ASUS routers now now allow you to plug a USB, you know, a big USB storage stick into the back of them. You know, 64 gigs or whatever are not are very common now, and that creates a shared file server for your home. You're unfortunately sharing it a little more widely than you believed. Default settings for the FTP server allow. WAN Side Anonymous Login. way Asus calls this, calls this feature limitless access rights. Uh and the, the authors of this letter call this madness. And there's something called AI Cloud, where those it turns out those usernames and passwords were stored in plain text in a file available for download without logging in. So that gives you that gives attackers access there. Um so uh, what people are finding uh, on their storage devices, that's how people are being awakened to this, is a file called warningyouarevulnerable.txt. And the files, the, this is a text file that just appears on your internal, your home's internal network storage that says this is an automated message being sent out to everyone affected. Your ASUS router parens, and your documents, closed parens, can be accessed by anyone in the world with an internet connection. You need to protect yourself and learn more by reading the following news article. Then there's a link to nullfluid.com slash And it says below is a list of all the vulnerable IP addresses that have been leaked. And I, I don't remember the number. I think it's 4,000 have been found so far. If you are reading this, you are vulnerable too. And then there's a link to a paste bin, uh, uh, a paste bin URL with the list of all the IP addresses. Solution: Completely disable FTP and AI Cloud immediately. I hoped we helped. Sincerely, G. Now, once again, this has been known for a long time. A guy named Kyle L- L- Lovitz um, in June 22nd, so more than a year ago, um, report, attempted to report this to Asus. Um, he, and he, he, he created a, cer- a security focus uh, posting, which is now there in the archive. He says, timeline, contacted Asus two weeks ago under my online handle account, around 6-6, so around June 6th. Second email sent on six ten 10 when discovered first unauthenticated file disclosure. Received only one response back stating it was not an issue. Sent a third email on June 14th. Only response received was an acknowledgement that my email was received. Attempted to call their development or incident team and was told that somebody would call me back on six seventeen uh, sent another email today under my real name. never received any communication from uh, asus so he says, under mitigation and temporary fixes, users need to be alerted to turn off AI cloud service immediately so this is a another cloud service designed to you know connect your router to the cloud, and it's been done wrong. all web access to both HTTP and HTTPS need to be halted until proven safe. UPnP services need to be turned off. Um, and he said, in friends, I'd say that's a safe bet is for all home routers to turn it off. And of course, that's our standard advice too. And he says, disable FTP and Samba services until the problem is fully understood and patched if possible. So, Oh, and he says, by all means, change the default username and password. Do not leave it uh, as it was. So this is, um, again, breaking news. Um, uh, This has just come to light. And Asus has unfortunately not been responsive to this. So we can hope that they will be shortly. uh, At this point, anybody's using this AI cloud technology needs to turn it off. Because from the outside, from the WAN, if this AI cloud services are turned on, you do not have the protection, which you assumed ASUS had been providing, based on this reporting.
0: Ouch. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, no ASUS, no Linksys, no Belkin. (laughs) Okay. Pretty much, you're putting the entire tech industry out of business. You understand that? Not a good, not a bunch of good news today. They're putting themselves out of business is what they're doing. Well, yes, and this
1: is the problem. I mean, if I mean, okay, anyone can be forgiven for making a mistake. That's not a problem. But in every instance, these companies have known for for months. Been they've been notified by responsible researchers who discovered this and tried to say, "Oh my God." Everybody who's using your yeah. cloud service is vulnerable. Everybody who's using your half a million right. that you're bragging about, WeMo customers have, you know, you've basically inst- installing little routers that are breaching your security <laughs> every time you install one of these things. Fix this, and and but and the problem is these companies don't respond. They're in the consumer electronics business. They just want to sell hardware. And unfortunately, with what they're doing, with the services they're offering, comes responsibility.
0: Oh, it's I- <laughs> like I, I said. If the Navy can't keep itself safe, what are we supposed to uh, do? You've seen this story. Gonna- Iran was hacking the, uh, the Navy. Oh, Lord. In fact, uh, apparently the Iranian hacking of the Navy is more extensive than originally thought. The Wall Street Journal uh, said uh, yesterday the cyber attack targeted the Navy Marine Corps Internet which is used by the Department of the Navy to store websites, host non-sensitive information, handle voice, video, and data communications for the Navy. Uh, God they've God. been in the network since November. <laughs> they just just in there, having and fun, A- cooking hot A- A- dogs.
1: A- APT, Advanced
0: Persistent Threat. Yeah. From wow. Iran. Who knew? Yeah. What else you got? What, so this is the Sisyphus yeah. episode, ladies and gentlemen. This, I know this is just we've been this, pushing now that boulder up the hill, and yeah,
1: now you understand why I just us. thought, oh my,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so depressed. So I, we did. I don't remember if we did it before we began recording or not, but no, we mentioned oh, this yeah.
0: on the air, yeah. Okay,
1: slick good. login yeah. stuff, yeah. Slick, slick login, yeah. basically, I think Google didn't – they weren't in love with the technology. They just bought some smart programmers. Uh, they call that, that an
0: acquire, A-Q-U-I-H-I-R-E. They hire by acquisition. Ah, yes.
1: Acquire. Um, a, a malware researcher was surprised when Gmail blocked some malware that – he was deliberately sending to some other researchers. The reason this surprised him is that he deliberately zipped the malware with a... Um, yep. <laughs>
0: there's Sisyphus. Sisyphus.
1: Rolling the boulder up the hill. That's, that's, that's great artwork. Isn't this is yeah. nice. This is that's an old 70s nice.
0: animated short about the myth of Sisyphus. Yeah.
1: Um, so this researcher <laughs> uh, had been... Um, uh, uh. Roll. <laughs> I got distracted by by the beautiful animation. The re the researcher had been for years send uh, is encrypting malware in a zip. And the reason you can do that is that <laughs> I'm the, just superimposing uh, cissus over great. over that's your face. Wonderful. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> he's still uh, pushing that boulder, by the way. Yeah. Yes, he's
1: gonna be pushing it for a long time. We won't be running out of things to talk about, Leo. There's, there's that for sure. So um, he'd been he'd been zipping his malware in um, zips, encrypting them using the password infected, and that's standard industry practice. Um, when when I've been oh, downloading these various uh, CryptoLocker malware, they all come, they're all posted, and they come to me zipped and. W- w- under the password, infected, and what's so nice about ZIP is that it is not just locking the archive; it is encrypting it. So it's encrypting it under that password, and but that's the way it gets through AV scanners. is is, is encrypted. So what was discovered just recently is that Google has begun peeking inside Zips, to and checking, probing the ZIP. To see if it is encrypted under the. Uh, I have to turn off my videos.
0: So I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I can't resist it. <laughs> Roll <laughs> those, those, in those, that those boulder. Poor uh, <sighs> uh, <sighs> guy. I like
1: feel
0: sorry for him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, he gets to the top, and what happens? It just rolls right back down. He's just yeah. yeah, okay. I'm not going to watch anything. Um, okay. So so that's anyways, interesting. So Google now we know that Google scans inside zips. Um, this is news yes. that they scan inside password protected zips.
1: Yeah, that's the news. Yeah. And what this so this researcher was was curious. This is Brian Baskin, who, who did this work. He was curious. So he he tried he first reencrypted under a different password and Google still flagged it. And he said, what? How can that be? So then he did an experiment where he, he, he like took the, the most frequently used 20 passwords and encrypt and put malware encrypted under those, and Google only saw the one encrypted under infected. So what he realized was once Google tripped over a zipped malware that, that was zipped under infected, it also remembered the file name. So, that when he re zipped it under a different password, he had left the file name the same, and Google still said, nope, once caught, never good. So, nothing, no matter what he did. That's uh, weird. Isn't that weird? Password it's wise. using
0: a CRC or something to identify the file. Obviously, something beyond the name. Probably just the name. It's just oh, it is using it, the same name. We just okay. saw something that was malicious
1: with this name, so we're not allowing the same name to be used got again. It.
0: Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's trying but to protect it, you, obviously.
1: Yeah, and, and it is. It, well, and the idea would be that if a. See, and this is what's p- puzzling is that malware researchers, like, for example, I'm distributing crypto locker with zips with that password right um i'm not emailing them to people but you i mean you'd have to deliberately type in the password
0: infected right and in that's the point ta- of it You're, exactly do you think this and- is because the password was infected that google just tries that or are they able to somehow magically see inside zips that are password protected
1: no. No, and that's just it. They can't because it's true encryption. It is really it's encrypted. real encryption. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what they're now doing is they are, they must be they're trying inspecting the password. <laughs> yes, they are trying that <laughs> password for
0: every zip that comes their way. That's bizarre. I don't know why you would waste time doing that. Cuz it, it's acknowledging that it's affected. Yeah, it's saying I mean, I'm no, mal- no bad guy's going to mail you something with a password infected. Right. And if you open it it's and then execute fault.
1: it, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's the theory under which GRC makes the malware available for people right. who want to test their networks and test their AV with all kinds of warnings and cautions. It's still, hey, you're hopefully an adult. Treat this responsibly. So
0: I want to hear a response from Google on this. Yeah. I want to know why they're doing it or, or whether this is a false finding somehow. It's odd.
1: Okay, don't know, don't know. So, CryptoLocker is getting greedy. <laughs> I uh, I posted an updated uh, version of CryptoLocker. Actually, I think there's a newer one that I didn't update my malware page with. Which one of my frequent uh, Twitter followers he, he saw Simon Zarafa mentioning to me that there was something newer that he'd come across. I think then he messed around with it with a VM. He was a little surprised when, yes, he got the crypto lock, the standard crypto locker, you are locked screen. Uh, you can insert your own four letter word in replace of lock. Uh, and replace a lock. And they now want five bitcoins, Leo. Now, remember, once upon a time. Well, Bitcoin's they, gone
0: down. So are they really greedy or just adjusting to the. Well, no fluctuating price of Bitcoin it has
1: has Bitcoin has been hurt by by Bitcoin you know Mt Gox's problems and right. and various other problems and you know Russia outlawing them and so forth. Bitcoin's
0: down on you, Gox to two eighty five now.
1: Um, well, Mount Gox is essentially out of the game at yeah. the moment. I mean, it is still hundred dollars at, at like three other exchanges. It's actually north of of six. I'm sorry, did I say a hundred six hundred dollars? Okay, north of six hundred dollars. And so that's $3,000 is that they're asking for. Wow. Um, and it was once 300 So it's 10 times, it went from 300 to to 3000 that they're now asking for, which I think is probably asking too much. I think, you know, may, yes, as we talked about last week, a law firm lost all their documents. They might pay $3,000 if they were sure they could get it back. But wow, lots of users are just going to say, okay, well, I just... You know, so we lost all of our photos of, of, you know, Aunt May. Uh, Too bad. So Bitcoin protocol. Until recently, we really did believe there were no problems with it. I mean, it has withstood a huge amount of analysis. It turns out that something known as transaction malleability has surfaced and it's it is what brought Mount Gox into so much grief. Um, IEEE Spectrum had a nice piece where they where they explained what's going on. They said, in order to understand transaction malleability, you need to know that the balances of all Bitcoin addresses are maintained on a public ledger and that the changes made to this ledger are what constitute a transfer of funds. When a transaction is broadcast to the network, it is relayed with a digital fingerprint that identifies it. Bitcoin miners then scoop it up, verify it, and send it on to the rest of the network for confirmation. Once the transaction has been confirmed, there's no way for that same person to spend those same bitcoins because they are being checked against the public ledger. The malleability feature or (laughs) defect uh, allows a person to intervene right after the transaction request has been sent. It's possible to modify the fingerprint and create a duplicate transaction. So now you have two unconfirmed transactions flying around the network. They're both for the same exact payment, but they have different fingerprints and only one of them can be added to the public ledger. So Andreas Antonopoulos, chief security officer for the blockchain.info Bitcoin wallet said, quote, the first one that is confirmed, will be accounted for in the blockchain and will become the definitive record. The other will be dropped as a double spent attempt. So all of that is working. That is, the, the system is fundamentally, work, fundamentally working. It turns out that it's an error in the way Mount Gox was auditing the blockchain To verify transactions, something that they alone were doing in a particular way, which so sort of we can blame it on their implementation, which allowed attackers to spoof non-successful transactions, which were created by deliberately created by this malleability, they could spoof non-successful transactions in order to get Mt. Gox to issue refunds. So um, the community feels that this is something that needs to be resolved in the protocol. That is, it needs, needs to be firmed up and, and, a, a, and a, a, an agreed upon way to establish auditing needs to be um, uh, you know, established within the community. But, but here's the point is all Bitcoin users need to do for now to be safe. Is, not, is to deliberately not issue transactions too rapidly. If you allow 10 minutes for a transaction to take hold in the network, then you, don't, you have nothing to worry about. There's no way then for, for any mischief uh, to, to be accomplished by bad guys. But this is a little softer than we thought you know, the Bitcoin protocol was. My final bit of bad news. Before
0: you do that. Okay. May I do a little bit of business? Sure. Some and then, good news. And then, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it is kind of timely. This is news, something you may want to check out if you are spending any time on that scary place called the internet. Wow. You might. <laughs> Open VPN is still good, right? Yes. Just, just checking. Okay. <laughs> no. No exploits when there, there right? No, no known, vu- no known vulnerabilities. Okay, in open VPN. that's a that's a relief. ProxPN is an open VPN provider that uh, will help you use the internet the way it really was intended, without oversight, without your ISP spying on you, without governmental restrictions, geographic restrictions. Uh, it it is a way of getting on the net securely from an open access spot because all of your traffic emerges from your computer with strong encryption wrapped around it, hugging it tight to keep it safe out there in the real world. Pro XPN is a really great way to do this because they're hosted all over the world including Singapore, London, and Amsterdam. That means your data can emerge on the public internet in one of those countries, so no geographic restrictions should stop you. This is, what, uh, this is the kind of uh, software that uh, dissidents in countries like China use to, to, to see what's going on in the real world. It's a shame that we have to be like that. But, uh, you know, with ISPs these days, watching everything you do, the six strikes rules, CISPA, PIPA, and all of that, it's great to have this in your pocket. By the way, not just on your desktop, ProXPN has mobile apps now for Android as well as iOS that allow you to use that strong open VPN on your mobile as well. So, take a look at that new pro X p n app for Android in the Google play store open v p n is supported easily quickly transparently we uh, talked i don't i don't know if I talked about it on this show, but we've talked about the fellow who uh was noticed that Comcast was slowing down his Netflix to basically unusable and just as a kind of experiment, he used an open v p n server at his university, and all of a sudden it's two megabits the video's high, high quality. And and he said, you know, this is complete proof that my ISP is slowing down Netflix traffic. ProXPN accepts payments through Visa, PayPal, and, yes, Bitcoin. You can visit proxpn.com slash twit and learn all about it and get a special deal. Normally, uh, it's $10 a month, $75 for a year. But uh, if you use our special offer code, SN20, right now at proxpn.com slash Twit, you'll get 20% off, not for the first month or year, but the lifetime of your account. That means ProXPN and all that security and privacy is less than 5 bucks a month on the yearly plan. That's a great deal. And, of course, if you're not satisfied, cancel within seven days. It'll cost you nothing. ProXPN.com slash twit. Find out more at the website. Then sign up with the offer code SN20. And you shall be protected, my friends, upon that awful sea. We call the Internet, proxpn.com, slash twit. We thank them so much for the support of security now. And now the last bit of Sisyphean bad news.
1: So we talked about how one of the problems with the Wemo devices is that they're not authenticating SSL certs. It turns out they're not alone. Uh, Netcraft, that's been around forever, the really great Internet usage monitoring characterizing uh uh service has discovered dozens of s- rogue they call them self-signed SSL certificates used to impersonate high-profile sites so so remember so what so what so what this means is like if um if uh, facebook they're not a CA. They're not a certificate authority themselves. So they purchase their certificates from someone. For example, actually, I think it is my certificate provider, DigiCert. There, it, when it, it was when I noticed that Facebook was using DigiCert that I thought, well, if they are, <laughs> then it must be recognized by everybody. So I'll use them too. <laughs> and as I mentioned last week, I'm so happy with DigiCert. So the point is that Facebook certificate will be signed by DigiCert. And the browser knows Digi- has has did, has Digicert's uh, certificate in its list of certificate authorities that it trusts. So the browser is able to verify that a third-party Digicert signed Facebook's certificate. A self-signed certificate was is for example, it'll say www.facebook.com and it'll just be it'll be signed by Facebook, which really doesn't provide any value because anyone can make their own certificate that they sign. And in fact, there are some websites that want SSL but don't want to pay, you know, the freight of having DigiCert or, you know, GoDaddy or any of the other cert providers um Sign their certificates, so they'll self-sign them, and you get an error. Your browser gives you an error when you try to go there, saying, "Whoa, this certificate is a non-trusted." And then you can decide if you want to go ahead and trust it anyway, because you will. You'll get, you'll get the privacy side, the encryption of SSL, but you don't actually know who you're connected to. That is, you, you know, the certificate says www.facebook.com, but if you have a if you have agreed to accept a certificate that signed itself then it could be anybody who made that certificate not facebook who had to prove their identity to the certificate authority in order to get the certificate authority to sign their certificate so the system works but it only works if there's this chain of trust so what has been found is a a repository, essentially, of self-signed certs impersonating high-profile sites. And the danger is that there would be applications that real people use that aren't checking. In the same way that Wemo, you know, AC plugs and light switches and so forth are not checking. What if more important things weren't checking? Well... Researchers from Stanford University and the University of Texas at Austin found broken SSL certificate validation in Amazon's EC2 Java library, Amazon's and PayPal's merchant uh, SDKs, integrated shopping carts such as OS Commerce and ZenCart, which are very popular, and AdMob code used by mobile websites. What that means is that they're accepting SSL connections and not checking to see if the certificate. They're they're looking to see if it's valid. Does the checksum is that correct? But they're but they but they're accepting self signed certificates. Um, uh, and it also turns out that online banking apps for mobile devices. Um, which are, of course, tempting targets for man-in-the-middle attacks, um, uh, are also falling short. They're also not checking certificates. Um, in, an, in an analysis that was made, 40% of iOS-based banking apps tested by, and here's our, the, the company we talked about earlier, IOActive, are vulnerable to such attacks. Because they failed, forty percent of iOS-based banking apps, uh, bec- because they failed to validate the authentic- authenticity of SSL certificates presented by the server. Forty-one percent of selected Android apps were found to be vulnerable in in tests performed by um, or performed at uh, Leibniz, uh, Le- Leibniz University of Hanover Leibniz. and Philips. Leibniz, oh Leibniz, yeah, yeah. Uh, of Hanover and Phillips University of Marburg in Germany. So what we have is a, a situation where users are trusting, and and for whatever reason, apps are initiating SSL connections. For so, for example, you would have a uh, you know Bank of America app, and it's initiating on your behalf. A connection to bank to B of A and I'm just making that up I don't know if B of A is one of them or not but for example B of A so you're using the B of A app in your device and it is giving you privacy because it is using SSL but it's when it's connecting to B of A at B of A.com the B of A server is sending back a certificate the app itself is assuming that sort of like the wrong logic. It it knows it's connecting to B of A, and it knows that B of A is valid. So it assumes a certificate that it's going to get from B of A is valid. But if a man in the middle intercepts that connection, that man in the middle can return a certificate for B of A that is not signed by a real certificate authority, but just it's it's self-signed. And the app, the 40% of apps in iOS, 41% in Android that were checked are not verifying the remote certificate. They're assuming it's correct. And that assumption opens those apps up to attack by man-in-the-middle impersonation. And there's no doubt, now that this news is out, that we're going to see people saying, oh, let's, I want to test these apps and find out for myself which ones are vulnerable. And if anyone uses those apps while they are vulnerable, their information is not safe. It can be decrypted by the man in the middle that then turns around and re-encrypts it as it goes off to B of A. So essentially you lose all of the privacy that the app is trying to provide to its user. And, uh, you know, a substantial a uh, portion of apps today are not checking not verifying the 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 SSL certificate chain as they should.
0: I don't know if he knew ahead of time about this or he just is prescient or what, but Kaspersky said this exactly. He said banking apps on Android in particular are going to be the next big problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I use a lot, I do a lot of banking frankly <laughs> on on my phone. On your A phone. lot
1: of it, yeah. 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 So we will need to have some, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, it's not hard to do, actually. I am sure. I bet some researchers will figure out which apps are vulnerable because it'd be nice to know. Yeah. So uh, we're into my last little notes. I did want to mention that, as I mentioned last week, I, I, I mentioned to you, I don't know if we were recording or not, that I was going to see Ender's Game for the second time with my buddy on Saturday who had never seen it. I liked it more the second time, I think because my expectations were appropriately set. You know, I had read the book, and of course, you know, no movie ever lives up to what the book is. They, 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 you just can't in a couple hours uh, provide as much written richness and detail no matter what you do. But, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was, I mean, I, I was much less impressed the first time than I was the second time around, so I just wanted to mention that. And Jenny and I saw RoboCop, on Monday, I guess that was yesterday, and it far exceeded uh, both of our expectations. I didn't have much expectation, uh, ad- ad- admittedly, but I was very impressed. I it was it was definitely worthwhile. So, if people have been on the fence, if they're in love with the if the the original one and are wondering, I, I think I, it looked. It, I mean, it was good. I liked it, and I did see a preview for something called Transcendence coming out mid-April oh it looks fabulous
0: and we know how accurate previews are (laughs) yeah what a good indicator of the strength of a movie
1: (laughs) true true Uh, I always wonder if the
0: best parts were in the preview
1: I I mean I don't know how this movie could be bad given what we saw it just looked I mean it was Daniel Suarez-esque in the notion of uh, I mean, it's not giving anything away, because the previews do, of someone getting having their consciousness uploaded to the net, and things don't go well. We'll just yeah. put it that way. Johnny it's, Depp. It, Johnny
0: <laughs> yes. Johnny Depp is in this. Yeah, yeah, it
1: looks great. And I wanted our listeners to know uh, that the Squirrel UI page is up now. It's number six of I think there's like twenty of them now that I and it's where I am cu- currently working. I've been talking about this the last few weeks that I am now at work on the UI and the I think you'll see anyone looking at the squirrel UI that I've got designed so far will have well first of all you'll get a sense for what the typical user will see and it is simple and easy to use. I mean that's where I'm struggling is to to make it so. Um, but anyway, it's, you can go to grc.com slash squirrel, look at, you know, the squirrel login in the main menu, but I did create a bit.ly link that takes you right there. B I T dot L Y slash S Q R L U I. So just squirrel UI. Um, anyway, it's, I'm really happy with the way it's coming. It's, uh, it's slow going, but you know, I'm, I'm, Intending, as you'll see there, what you'll, what, what you'll see is finished product. I mean, these are, I am designing the, the, the experience that the user will have as they use the product. Um, and then it's a matter of wiring up the code
0: behind the UI. So making good progress. Excellent. Excellent. Steve is the man when it comes to security. We do this show, Security Now, each and every uh, Tuesday now. Yeah, 1 p.m. Civic, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 2100 UTC on twit.tv if you'd like to watch live. If not, don't forget after the fact, always available audio and video. In fact, Steve does a, an unusual thing. He de- orders transcripts. Uh, Elaine Ferris writes those. He puts those on his website along with 16 kilobit audio versions at grc.com. So when you head over there to get Spin Right, and I know that's why you're going over there. Because that is the finest, world's finest hard drive maintenance recovery utility. Pick up a copy of Security Now as well. And all the other good stuff that Steve does, absolutely free. A QA and a episode next week. News allowing. Uh, so you can leave your questions there too. GRC.com slash feedback. And, uh, and if you want to get full quality audio and video of this show, we have it at twit.tv slash sn. And of course you can subscribe wherever finer podcasts are aggregated. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Leo.